So today we're going to continue going through the book of Luke. And in chapter 10, we come across Jesus sending out this time 70 or 72 disciples. And after giving them some guidelines, he tells them to go heal, to go preach. And Jesus lets them know that this harvest that he is sending them out to is great. The job that he is sending them to is very, very big. There aren't very many laborers. The laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send even more workers. But he says it is you looking right at them that will go and do this. Telling them that they will be like lambs among wolves. That they're not supposed to take anything with them. That wherever they go to trust completely in God. Providing exactly what they need. Even when it comes to eating and drinking. Even when it comes to the work that they will do by healing or preaching, it will be God working through them. And as they do this, they come back and they're rejoicing with great joy. Like we sang in that first song, Jesus says, you know, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. But don't rejoice because of the power you have. Rejoice because your name has been written in the book of life. And our text for today that I want to look at is the very few verses, I think there's four or five of them, that immediately follow this event. Now, the four-verse patches that we're looking at is the section of Scripture that I myself have been praying regularly as I have been journeying along with Jesus. Now, I pray this section of Scripture, though, not from the Lucan account, but from the Gospel of Matthew. And Luke... After the 70 or 72, Jesus tells them that, hey, you guys are blessed because of what your eyes are seeing. This is what prophets and kings long ago wanted to see. They wanted to see God amongst his people doing the very work and the very things that you are seeing. And these two passages that are found both in Matthew and Luke are the same in their first sections. But in Matthew, instead of telling them that they're blessed for what they see, Matthew gives another type of blessing. And so I know that we are going through the book of Luke. And I do love the book of Luke, and I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring Luke, eh, but I kind of really want to look at the Matthew passage today because I think it's just a great one. So I hope that you'll forgive me for spending some time with Matthew, but I wanted to meet you halfway. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the exact same phrase from the Luke at the very beginning, and then I'll add that Matthew into it. But I want you to get what you want, sir, so I will close with the Luke and text once again. But I just, I, I love this Matthew text. Like I said, I have been, uh, it's a passage that I regularly pray. And here's what I mean by that. Somewhere along the way, I was introduced to two ways of coming at Scripture and using it as I pray. First, there is this reflective, meditative approach, which is not like meditation where you sit and you try to empty yourself. Rather, this type of reflective, meditative approach is where you use your reasoning skills and you try to interpret what is being said and then pray in response. For example, with the Great Commission, right at the very end of Matthew, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you were praying, you might read that scripture and then pray like this. I'd say, pray, God, you know, send me, use me. God, give me the words to say, to speak boldly, to not be afraid, Lord, but to be confident that you have promised to be with me, and I know that you are, so I will go. I might find myself, as I use that scripture to pray, thanking God that I am not directionless, direction, is that a new word, directionless? You get what I'm trying to say? But I have purpose, right? And not just because I'm a pastor do I have to go and make disciples, but disciples are to be added by each one of us, right? 
the way I raise my children, the way I work with my friends, my family? Am I modeling that going, that as I go making disciples, am I bringing people to church? Am I meeting them where they are at? Maybe as I think about that passage, I might even have their faces pop up in front of me and I begin to pray specifically for them. That's one way of letting Scripture guide my prayer life. The second is this imaginative, contemplative approach. Now, this is where God has given us the ability to be present to things that are not physically before us. Now, I bet if I asked you to shut your eyes, don't do it because I know you fall asleep, and picture someone, maybe a friend or a loved one, you could probably do it. If I asked you to sing your favorite song right now, maybe you could hear it in your mind even though it's not physically playing. Maybe I could ask you to imagine smelling that very first cup of coffee, right? God has gifted us with the ability to be present to things, amen, sister, that are not physically before us. And that's really cool to be able to be present with things that are not physically before us if you think about it. So how we use this in our prayer life with Scripture is you're basically putting yourself in the story. And I've done this on that Altius channel that we have when the time where Jesus fell asleep in the boat and the disciples were afraid. You put yourself in that story and maybe you start to feel the splash of the waves on your face. You feel the wind whipping through your majestic flowing hair. You feel the terror that they experience. You relate yourself to that circumstance. Maybe bring in one of your own. Put yourself there as if you were really in the boat with Jesus, crying from your heart just as they were when they thought they were going to perish. That's that imaginative, contemplative approach of using Scripture and praying. Now, I don't remember. I don't think there was a book that we got. I think it was just one of the class lessons we got. It wasn't anything specific. It was try this on your own and go. And so maybe you can take that away today. You can start introducing those two methods of scripture and prayer to help you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus as well. Remembering that one is not better than the other. It's like, um, it's like a house where a friend is inside. There's two doors. You can go into the house. Whether you go through one or the other, you still meet the friend. That's the point. And today we're going to see this loving invitation of the Lord into this process, a process of stepping into prayer and into deeper communion with Him. So as we get ready to dive into the text now, I want you to imagine the gaze of the Lord looking right at you. Because you can be certain that the Lord looks down and sees you today. That as you have gathered here today to worship, to give praise, to pray, to be encouraged that just as you came in today eager to be with the Lord, He is eager to be with you as well, eager to speak His word to your heart today. Because prayer is a relationship. It's two persons, right? And then what we're going to try to do today, it's a human person and a written page. It's not a human person and a written page, but it's a human person and the divine speaking to us through the written page, speaking to our hearts. So again, we're going to start with Luke and then go into Matthew. And here's the verse from Luke chapter 10. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So if I were to come at this text today praying, maybe I would be hearing Jesus. I'd be sitting at his feet together with him. Hearing these words, wanting to know, what what are you saying to me here, Jesus? But look where it starts. When Jesus goes to prayer and he's showing us something here, he is thrilled with joy in his heart. Now, I'm pretty sure you can email me if you find another place, but I think that this is the only occasion in the Gospels where it is specifically said that Jesus rejoiced. I'm not saying he wasn't a happy dude. I'm just saying this specifically noted here. And the Greek word for full of joy here is referring to that exceptional rejoicing, exultation, right? He's rejoicing strongly, but also deeply in the spirit. And it was his joy that makes him break out into prayer. He's praising God the Father for God's wisdom, for God's plan, and for this unique relationship that God and the Son have. In joy, he lifts up a prayer to the Father who loves us and by whom he knows himself is in return very, very deeply loved. That is the deepest truth of our lives, that we are loved by the Father and loved by the Son, Jesus, that he has brought us into that infinite love, which is the Holy Spirit, right? God rejoices over you. The same Father who says to you through your baptism, just like he did at Jesus, right? You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. The deepest truth of your life is that you are beloved by God, that you are cherished by God, unconditionally loved and belong to the heart of the Father, the Son. You are brought into that love, into that relationship to the very heart of the Trinity. And so Jesus thanks his Father that he has revealed the mysteries of that, the mysteries of the kingdom. Not, of course, to the self-sufficient, like it says here. Not, Jesus says, to the wise and to the learned. Those who feel that they don't need to be taught, that they themselves are enough unto themselves. As you read that and pray, maybe it's there where you stop and confess. Stop and confess your pride. Our stubbornness, our sin. See, for many of us, confession of sins, when we do it in service, it seems so very jarring. It seems so wrong. Like, I've only come to praise, to rejoice, and you want me to bring up all the bad things? Why? Some of you are here for the first time, and I want you to say that you deserve hell. And like, I'm trying not to go there. That's why I came, man. What do you want me to say this for? But this is why, right here. Because Jesus says we have much to unlearn. Jesus says we have a lot that needs to be changed within us. And we can't do that on our own self-sufficiently. We need his kingdom to come. We need his mercy. We need his truth. Because there is no pride, no place for pride and self-sufficiency when it comes to following Jesus, to being his disciple, and living this new life of walking with him. And confession then doesn't become this horrible thing. Rather, it's a freeing, joyful, powerful thing. 
because it's in joy that Jesus praises God for what he has done because he has freely revealed these deep truths of the kingdom to those who themselves have admitted, I need you. That when we are broken and find ourselves at the end of the rope, right, we've not been spurned by God or told, try harder. He says we are loved. And when we speak of our own sins and cry out, we deserve death, we hear in response him speaking, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are made whole because of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that's what it means to be blessed. When you depend on God for everything, like an infant, right? You cry out, hallelujah, you have saved me. Lord, it is so much better your way, not mine. The heart that we see Jesus speak about here is what we're going to experience as we look at some of the parables that he teaches us when it comes to the kingdom of God and what life is supposed to be like. We're going to see Jesus come running for us. That when we get to that place where we thought we have been now completely lost, he knows where we are and he comes to us, brings love, picks up all the broken pieces and puts us back together because he is your defender, your savior. And this is a mystery because we would never figure that out on our own. But Christ has revealed himself to us, has shown us just how much the Father loves us. What joy we have when we stop pointing to our own accomplishments, our own success, and instead just give praise and look at what God has done in our lives. You remember, right, when you were young, you would scream ferociously to get the love that you needed to make sure that you were seen. Then you get a little bit older, a little bit wiser, you learn how to, you learn how to do that subtly. Not so you're bragging, making, but still making sure everyone knows, everyone sees you, everyone can still love you. And I reflect sometime on what a waste of learning that was, that trying to survive, that trying to earn love, what a tiresome burden it is to constantly never know if I am enough to constantly be praising my own intelligence, my skills, my success. Because what happens, friends, when you fail? It's in the failure, broken, where that pride doesn't help, where you don't have any credit left. So that's why I pray this next part from Matthew. The deep truth that I am loved and seen is experienced here in Matthew 11, where Jesus, after saying exactly what he said in Luke, now says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come close. He's speaking right to our hearts. Right here at his words of invitation is where he invites us to do more than just hear, but to receive, to drink this in, to respond to this. He says, come to me. Come to me when you feel alone. I don't care if you're surrounded by people. You can still feel alone. When you are discouraged, when you feel that no one understands you, when that voice in your head says you are never going to be good enough, Jesus says, come to me. 
Jesus says, I understand. He says, I know. What would hold you back from coming to him? And I know there's a lot. We get so busy, we don't have time to come to Jesus. Every moment counts in life, and I don't want to I, I don't know how to find the time to just stop and rest. It's not there. There's too much to do. Not to mention all the times we've been hurt. For as great as this sounds, that true lesson that we've all learned, that when it comes down to it, there really is only us. And Jesus has come to him. What possible difference could that make? Come to him and pray my deepest desire. Let down the walls, push back that um, maybe it's fear of coming to him because I'm broken and I'm hurting, I'm dirty and afraid. What if he sees me for who I am? Maybe like me, you found yourself coming to Jesus before. You did come once and it was great and you messed up. Find yourself failing again and again and again. Do you think he really still wants me to come? to come to him? You know, it's in this voice that we never hear, the voice of Jesus. You never hear a shouting voice. Not an angry voice. He's not trying to get your attention and waving his arms over the crowd or like Palpatine, right? I beg you, use my knowledge. That's not what this is about. The way this reads, friends, is you hear your name called and then there's this pause. That slow look up like, really, my name? You know my name? And he looks right at you. And he grabs your hand and he says, come to me. He says to you with infinite love, I want you to come close. He says, don't hesitate. Don't stay at a distance. Don't let your fragilities hold you back. Don't get distracted. Come. He calls you, he wants you, he loves you, and he promises that in coming to him, you will find healing. It's Jesus' hand that reaches down through the water, through the waves, and pulls you. It's his voice, the voice of the Father, that invites you to come. His heart that meets yours, his eyes that see you, his spirit that breaks through all of that. You who labor and are heavenly burdened, you feel that, don't you? Rising early in the morning with your heart heavy, struggling to face the day, looking in the mirror, hating how you look. Turn on the TV, listen to a podcast, read the article, and all you hear is what? Despair, maybe? At that place now where it's like, what's wrong today? No longer heartbroken, no longer shocked, just numb. Heavy burdened, how about that phone call from the kid in college? Or from your daughter raising her family so far away from you? And you hang up anxious and worried because you're not there with them. You get that report from the doctor. The burden of that job situation that just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Having to go to class. Feeling awkward. Just wanting to fit in for once. Or the labor and exhaustion from trying and dating. Or from arguing and fighting with your spouse, your mom kids. That is labor and heavily burdened. 
And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest that is only found in God. Rest that doesn't mean your issues will just disappear, but the power, the fear of those burdens, the weight of them. You know, our weak hearts, our, our, our grief-filled minds, they're not meant to carry those types of things. Jesus has the strength and the grace to take them from you, to give the rest that our restless hearts seek and desire above all else. See, I pray this scripture because I must, I have to. I have a heart that is screaming against my mind that says, say yes to that invitation. Bring your burdens, your labors, bring your weariness to him because he promises rest. He says, take this yoke up. Learn from him because he is gentle and lowly of heart. What blessed words those are that the one who invites you to come to him is gentle with you. Will never lord it over you or make you feel bad, but is lowly of heart himself. How are we ever afraid of this God and coming to him? Why do we ever choose just to white knuckle it or think, oh, maybe I won't bother him with this? find ourselves with all these situations of life that have so much power of us, we choose to juggle when instead we could have rest. That's what our heart wants. To learn from Jesus, to be in relationship with Him, to learn from Him person to person, to take hold of the promise that there is rest for your souls. An easy yoke light burdens. This is what we're supposed to ask God for, the kind of learning that our heart desires. Unlearning all the tricks and all the ways that we have figured out how to cope and survive and going back to the mystery of his heart, the mystery of being lowly, being like a child, maybe even being his child. so that we can look beyond the cares of this life and step into the kingdom of God, receive the offer of light, come to the table to be fed and nourished, come to worship, come to be, be his children, children who pick up their cross, children who will still struggle, but children who have the invitation to live a life of letting go, of finding peace, of having hope, of having a true home. This, friends, right here, these promises of Jesus are why we come back to this text as I pray over and over and over and over again. Because I never tire of giving those burdens that I have been so desperately trying to hold on and solve and be the man to fix it all. And I could just give it to him the one who understands, who gives me what my heart needs and gives me the strength to go forward. Forward like he sends out the 70. Forward like he sends out each one of his disciples, reminding them that this job, this harvest, this thing that he has called you to do is so very, very big. But I choose you and send you out to take everything that I have given you and to share it, to preach, to bring the healing that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. We may not be able to do the miracles, 
We may be sent out like sheep among wolves. But the Lamb of God went to the cross and overcame everything that would stand in his way. It is the way of the mysteries of the kingdom of God where we truly experience peace and know the power of Jesus Christ. No self-sufficiency here. Just joy in what God will do in each one of our lives. So as we sing this next song and the band finds their way to get up there, friends, this is why you come to Scripture and pray. Because God is speaking to you. He eagerly wants to spend time with you. He is coming to you so that you may know the joy of being in relationship with Him. You may know the power that comes and the freedom you have when you can let go of everything that holds you back and find rest, rest for your souls. I pray that God continues to bless you and I pray that he opens his eyes, opens your eyes so that you see just how much he has for you.